0: Hi there. Welcome to Finding Space with Alex Tyson, the show that celebrates the everyday legends who put in the hard work to become who they want to be and live the life they want to live. For people who understand that when we practice compassion and find wisdom within ourselves, we find success and happiness. Join me in hearing amazing stories from everyday individuals who have found incredible personal and professional growth through varied and, at times, wild methods of self-improvement and self-responsibility and through their unique perspectives and work, have gone on to better the lives of those around them. From nurturing health to growing your wealth, or enjoying the present to crafting your future, no aspect of life is off topic. G'day everyone, how's it going? I hope you're having a great day. Alright guys, it's time to have some fun. We now have listeners from all over the world, so I can't say what I'm about to say directly applies to you. But where I'm living at the moment. The talk about COVID and vaccinations is constant, and sometimes it just gets a bit too serious. So on today's show, we're gonna have some fun, and we're going to inject some freedom into the conversation around healthy lifestyle choices. Finally, and there is no one better I could think of to have a fun, lighthearted conversation around health than today's guest. Today, I'm speaking with Shan Cooper. Shan Cooper is a food, health and wellness coach based out of Brisbane, Australia, and she is the creator of My Food Religion, a company who makes simple whole food nutrition accessible to everyone through workshops and online courses, providing a foundation for you to achieve whatever health goals you have. I love this interview because of the freedom Shan exudes around food. At one point or another, we have all been too strict on ourselves whilst trying to achieve something in our health. Shannon does this and shows just how easy it can be to make excellent choices in food prep and beyond for not just yourself, but your little ones too, all whilst having fun and not being too serious. We have a lot of fun in this interview and I know you will too. Shan's energy is addictive. <laughs> this episode of Finding Space with Alex Tyson is brought to you by Found Space. Make your home a place of wellness to live a long and healthy life. Visit foundspace.com.au for more information. And so I give you Shan Cooper. Shan Cooper, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here.
1: Welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's an absolute joy. We're going to talk about some good stuff today. But first of all, when people ask you what you do, what do you tell them?
1: Um, Look, I suppose my first and most important job is wrangler of a tiny terrorist who is currently six, turning seven. But aside from that, I am a health and wellness coach. Um, So I guess my whole purpose in life and my passion is just around empowering people to learn new things about health and wellness, because I think when we know better, we can do better. And I think everyone's just trying to do the best they can, given the information and the tools that they have. And it's it's interesting, on the way to school this morning, Grace was saying to me, "Mom, can I, I want to get one of those ice blocks from the tuck shop. And I said, mate, you know how I feel about those ice blocks from the tuck shop? they're crap. Like they're just full of absolute rubbish and it is not good for your brain. It's not good for your body. It's not going to help you learn when you're in class. I said, what I would rather do is on the weekend, we can go and find a really great gelato shop and get some really good quality ice cream. And you can enjoy something like that. That's actually really good quality. And she's like, but do other kids' parents just not care about their bodies? And I said, you know what? I get why you would think that, but I don't think that's the case at all. I think everyone's just doing the best they can with the information they've got, darling. And this is my job. My job is to know how food works in our body and how it makes us feel and how it helps us to function and whether it nourishes us or doesn't. And other people's parents might not have all the information and they're just doing the best they can with what they've got. So, it's probably not that they don't care about what their kid's eating because I'm sure they do. They're just doing the best they can with what they currently know. So I guess my whole purpose is helping people to do better because I think when you know better, you can do better, but hopefully doing it in a way that doesn't feel preachy or, you know, like I know better than you do and hopefully in a way that feels really... um. Empowering to people but also accessible because, you know, I think there's, there's you know, you could make an amazing recipe with gold-plated unicorn tears from the Inca and spend $400 to make these incredible bliss balls with all of these ridiculous ingredients. But I would prefer to be able to have the average punter open their cupboard and go, okay, so I've, I've probably got these things on hand and I could make a fairly nutrient-dense meal or snack for my kid with these things. Or, you know, if someone's kid loves a certain thing, okay, that's cool. I wonder if we could add X, Y, and Z to it just to add some extra nutrition to that macaroni and cheese or whatever it is. So, yeah, I guess that's what I tell people is thats is that I'm kind of a health and wellness coach and I really just aspire to um, inspire people to just learn a bit more about their health and i think take their health back into their own hands
0: mm. yeah that's what it's all about it's prioritizing your health and 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 taking that responsibility which can sometimes be really hard to do you know, you've got to be really honest with yourself and like mm, maybe i need to change something here yeah um, but you certainly create that uh, inspiring energy um, engaging with you and getting to know you um, is really exciting and that's what i love about what you do is it's Getting healthy or improving your wellness, whatever you want to call it, uh, maybe it's just making some cleaner food for your kids. It should be fun. It can be fun. It is fun. You know, it's not yeah. It's not like making disgusting green juices and 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 drinking all this stuff and all enjoyable or doing all these workouts, getting rained on and having a crappy time. That's like, yeah, sometimes that can be part of it, but it, it should be a fun and, and joyful experience. And I think you're such a proponent of that of making it fun and exciting because it can be.
1: Absolutely. And I think a lot of people need to realise that you know, don't let perfect get in the way of good. We can make plenty of good choices. It might not be the perfect, the gold standard, but that doesn't mean we can't make some really good choices. It doesn't mean that just because your kid is obsessed with white food and is only going to eat white food, doesn't mean we can't sneak some extra nutrients in there. It might not be perfect or what I deem as perfect or what you deem as perfect, But it can be better. We can definitely make it better. And it's the small steps, isn't it? And I think it's so empowering as well to get kids in the kitchen and teach them how to cook. Like when we go to the markets on the weekend, G will choose random things. Can we get this? I'm like, sure. She's like, what do we do with it? I'm like, don't know. But we'll work it out.
0: I don't even know what it's called. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Like she got radishes a while ago. And they're not something I've ever really Used a lot, Mm. but she loves sour things. So we pickled them and she loves pickled radishes now. So I was like, okay, that's cool. So, you know, I think it's just, and I think kids are a lot more inclined to try new things if they're involved in the process, involved in the process of cooking it and making it. And I think also you're contributing to a lot less of a useless adult if you're giving your kids the tools to cook basic food so that they're not eating shit out of a packet for the rest of their life.
0: Totally. Totally. It's like a being able to cook and create is like one of the most powerful ways we can give to ourselves, you know? And I'm so grateful for my nonna because she taught me how to cook basic, like fry the garlic, fry the onion, put the yeah. herbs in, put the tomatoes in. And like, I lived off that for years when I first moved out of home, but I knew how to cook and I could create. And at yeah. least I could nourish myself instead of needing to buy jarred, you know, food or whatever it might be. So yeah. It's awesome that you're empowering Jid to do that. Um, And I think it's, yeah, if more and more people can do that, it's a good thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think kids love it too. Like it's not cooking with kids takes patience and um, it's certainly not the most efficient way to cook and the clean way to cook. But, you know, the more they practice, the better they get. The more likely they're going to be to actually get things into the bowl as opposed to all over the bench and on the floor. You know, no one gets to be good at something without, you know, messing up a few times, without spilling a few things, without having a few dodgy recipes. But I think being able to just empower people to realise everything doesn't have to be a recipe and everything doesn't have to be a Michelin, you know, five-star meal. Just put some basic foods on a plate and that's fine. Like have a look at what herbs are in your cupboard or in your garden and just by trial and error you'll work out what goes with what And it's pretty hard to balls up when you're just eating fresh whole foods. Like you can't go too far wrong because you're not pouring 17 different sauces into something. Just stick with food as nature intended it.
0: Mm.
1: And you're a pretty safe bet to not completely fuck it up. And, you know, there's so much to be said for herbs and spices. And, I mean, salt, good quality salt. It's like swearing. It enhances everything. <laughs> Add some good quality salt. Garlic. I mean, garlic and onion. It's going to fix everything, I feel. <laughs> Literally.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally.
1: Isn't um, it?
0: A hundred percent. we uh, My partner and I fasted recently and just smelling garlic after you do a 21-day water fast you're just like oh my god like <laughs> that this is so pungent like i could just just looking at it almost flavored all the food in front of us it was crazy so yeah powerful stuff onion garlic love it so talk to me a bit more about how you kind of got into this space because you know, you were saying everyone's, everyone does their best with what they know, right? And you now know a lot. And from my experience, people who get into this space, it's because they had to change or there was something that they really wanted to change in their health and their lifestyle. So tell me a bit more about how you got into this space, helping people with food and 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 kids and these kind of things.
1: So um, I've always been into health and fitness. So even as like a school age kid, I was super active, did every sort of sport there was, and always kind of ate what I suppose at that point in time was healthy. So my mum has always cooked everything from scratch. She's just, she's a great cook, and um, my grandma was a great cook. And so she's always cooked everything from scratch. She's always been an amazing cook, and I'm the eldest of five kids, so I always cooked a lot with mum, helped her out in the kitchen. I don't know how helpful I was, but I thought I was being (laughs) helpful at the time. So I've always kind of been into food and sort of been into, you know, making a healthier twist on things. And then after school, I went into animal health. So I did a agricultural science degree and initially did that because I wanted to be a vet. Um, When I was at uni, I started working as a vet nurse and decided I definitely didn't want to be a vet. So I finished my degree um, in animal health and nutrition, and then went into animal health pharmaceuticals. So I worked for um, companies working with veterinary clinics um, in everything from instruments and equipment to medication, pharmaceuticals, all of that sort of stuff. And I love the veterinary industry. Like I really love that industry. It's such a such a beautiful place to work with such caring and empathetic people. It's just a really beautiful industry. But I did start to, you know, the more I dove into nutrition and health and wellness and sort of went down that rabbit hole, the more I really started to take issue with working for a big pharmaceutical company. <laughs> yep. And so when, when I had Grace, I went on maternity leave. After two years, they sort of came back and they were like, so you're coming back to work? And at this stage, I was running like cooking workshops and stuff on my weekends and stuff. And I was like, oh. Yeah, nah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. So that sort of pushed me into doing this more um, full time, and, and really with a with a young baby, it was really only a part time sort of thing. I'd run cooking workshops on weekends and things like that, and just sort of plotted along with my website and my blog, and yeah, sort of kick that over. So it sort of just really all stemmed from there. Mm-hmm. Um, And now I do lots of recipe development and content development for lots of different brands. Um, I run workshops with a girlfriend of mine, Soph, who's a nutritionist. um, And we do that in health food stores, in gyms, shopping centres, just all sorts of different um, lots of corporate businesses now are really sort of starting to take a lot more notice of corporate health and wellness mm. and really trying to empower their staff to fuel themselves better because obviously that's going to increase productivity, it's going to mm. decrease their sick days, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, so that's sort of the space that I'm in now, which I really, really love. I do lots of cooking videos on my Instagram with Grace, cool. which is fun. And, um, yeah, so that's sort of that's, that's where it sort of started
0: yeah nice when let's get into the food then uh, when you're making a recipe, what are kind of the fundamental elements that you focus on you You touched on sort of like getting as much nutrient dense food in there you touch on whole foods. what are your kind of f- focuses yeah i I can probably think of a few, but I'm curious to hear. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so for me, before I had Grace, I sort of had my own little health crisis, which I think is what brings a lot of people really to deep dive into that whole health and wellness space. So I was just, uh, I was, didn't eat red meat for probably 15 years. Mm -hmm. I ate a bit of fish and that was about it. And to be honest, I think I thought I was being healthy, but knowing what I know now, I would definitely not go about it in the way that I did, I would definitely would have supplemented more strategically. I would have just focused a lot better on nutrient density. But at the time, I think it was that whole fat-free era. So, you know, I was eating all of the healthy whole grains. I was eating low-fat everything and I had really bad blood sugar regulation. I was constantly hangry because I was just jacked up on processed carbs all the time. Mm. Paired along with that, really low iron,
0: So wait, did you, were you vegetarian when you had Grace?
1: No, no, I wasn't. So about, probably about three years before I fell pregnant with Grace, I had sort of moved to, I had been seeing a um, naturopath Mm. and had a whole lot of blood testing done, had a whole lot of food allergy testing done and Mm. came back, you know reacting to over 50 foods, was basically allergic to life. And I was iron deficient, I was protein deficient, I was zinc deficient, I was vitamin D deficient. Like I was just deficient in life. What was
0: your energy like?
1: Through the floor. Like I yeah. just felt like I was dragging my legs around and I just felt really shit. Um, so at that point I sort of moved to a more paleo-style lifestyle. So cut out basically all the processed food, got off the sugar roller coaster that I was living on and really focused on, you know, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds. Um, I still wasn't doing red meat to begin with. I was doing fish and chicken and I just felt so much better. Like, it was just a complete 180 flip from how I had been feeling. And I think, you know, I'd, I'd spent so much of my younger life being scared of fat and thinking that fat was going to make me fat and to then kind of, you know, doing this sort of paleo thing where they're like, no, it's cool. Just eat all the fat. And I'm like, oh my God, this is <laughs> terrifying. Yeah. But then all of a sudden realized that, you know, I didn't get fat and I didn't blow it and I felt so much better and my energy was better and all these sorts of things. My skin was better. Um. So before, so I did that for about, I think maybe A couple of years. And then I don't know what it was that got me to start eating red meat, but I remember that the time, the first time I tried red meat again in like 15 years, I'd gone over to um, a friend's place for dinner and they were cooking in like a 12 hour slow cooked lamb shoulder. And she cooked some salmon for me and she's like, No, it's fine. I've got salmon for you. I was like, That smells incredible. (laughs) And she's like, Okay, weirdo. And I was like, I think, can I have some lamb? And she was like, are you drunk? What is wrong with you? <laughs> I was like, I just really feel like I really want to try the lamb. And I only had a little bit and I was like, wow. This feels really good in my body. Mm. And so from then I sort of started to incorporate some more red meat and it was maybe only once or twice a week, always slow cooked. I felt like it was really hard on my digestive system if it wasn't really like slow cooked, but that was sort of my soiree back into kind of eating red meat again. And mm. um, yeah, so that's been a really interesting journey because then I had to learn how to cook it because I'd never cooked red meat for, for all of my adult life. I'd never cooked it. So I was like, I don't I don't know how to cook a steak. I don't know how to cook any <laughs> of these things. I just slow cook everything.
0: Right. What was your mindset like when you started eating meat again? Because obviously you had some, some beliefs around not eating meat for such a long time. How did you kind of navigate that space?
1: Yeah, it was really hard, actually. I think working in the veterinary industry, there was definitely a thing for me around eating meat and I was just a bit like, oh, I don't know about that. Mm. Um, So it was definitely like an animal, you know, an animal thing. But also for me, it was a taste thing. Like I just had never loved the taste of red meat. Mm. So to reconcile it, I guess, when I started eating it, I think I just – finally started listening to my body. And I just felt like my body is telling me that this is what it needs. This is what I need to be nourished well. This is what it needs to get all my hormones back into the places that they need to be. This is how I need to get my energy back up. And so now I would definitely say I'm a very conscious omnivore. I prioritize really high quality um, meat. So, I will not buy meat from the supermarket. I go to an organic free-range butcher and it's a really high priority for us to make sure that whatever it is that we're consuming is quality. Mm. Um, So, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for for that aspect of it and making sure that we know where our food comes from. Like we talk to the farmer at the farmer's market, we know that, you know, his – his lambs and his cows and all of his animals are free range. They're happy. They're well looked after, you know, they're not going through trauma, all of that sort of stuff. So, yes, for me, it was definitely hard to reconcile that change, but it's just something that I think I felt so, I was so passionate about nourishing my body well Mm. and then to not listen to what my body was saying at that time would have just been because I had a certain, I decided a certain thing 15 years ago was just did not align anymore. So I definitely understand why people have um, the choices around vegetarianism and veganism and and being plant-based. And I 100% respect that. Um, But I think at the end of the day, it's also got to be about health, doesn't it? Like it's, there's no point us withering away and, you know, collapsing to these useless human beings who are not able to live our passion and do what we're here to do on the planet Mm. because we're not nourishing ourselves properly because we're stuck in an ideology Mm. of something that just isn't serving us anymore. Mm. Um, So, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for kind of changing your mind and being okay with that and going, you know what, this served me and now it's not. And that's okay.
0: Totally agree. I mean, as you know, like I don't eat a lot of meat, but well, I don't eat any meat at the moment. However, what I loved about what you just said is it's a like ultimately it's about health, right? Mm-hmm. And for, for me, like so many times people have said to me, oh, like, yeah, you're a vegan, blah, blah, um, And this stuff about animal cruelty has come up. And I say to people, actually, that was like, that's a byproduct of that choice. Because for me, I like I went plant-based because – I had health issues going on, like my gut was stuffed and I had all these IBS symptoms, blah, blah, blah. Everyone knows my story, but it was a health choice. And I actually, at the time, like I've softened a bit now, but I actually had a bit of a beef with people who would watch a Netflix documentary and then go vegan the next day. And they're living on packet vegan food and they're actually less healthy than they were beforehand. They're making worse choices uh, because they've been, you know, manipulated by some documentary.
1: That has a very, very clear agenda.
0: Yes, exactly. Um, and there is a place for those documentaries, but that's a, that's a podcast episode for another day, perhaps. But yeah, um, I think if it's about a health choice, that's the powerful reason to be making these choices. And and when we can get to that point where we can listen to our body intuitively, like mm. you just said, that's where the magic happens. And I think you know, um, in 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 leadership, and, and as we try and be the best person that we can be oftentimes we get stuck in the dogma of things Mm. and then we're like no but this is who I am now and actually it's more powerful to say well that's that served me like you said but now it's time to move on because Mm. I'm actually tuning into my being right now and maybe I do want to eat you know cooked food or maybe I want to eat more red meat whatever that may be And, and the thing is is that then if we listen to our body we might eat that red meat that we haven't eaten in 15 years and our our body might say, actually, no, I don't I don't want that at all. And it's like, okay, well, now I know, you know.
1: Absolutely. And I think there's just a lot to be said for being really conscious and cognizant of if you're going to make the choice to not eat red meat, you need to maybe make sure that you're getting your blood markers done and Mm -hmm. testing your iron and your B12. So earlier this year I had to go and have B12 injections because I still have a hangover from being a vegetarian for 15 years and I've got iron through the floor. I've got to go and have an iron infusion. My B12 was through the floor and it doesn't matter what I'm doing at this point. My stores are so low that I just... Can't get them up through eating real food. Mm. But I I totally agree with what you're saying about dogma. I remember when I first started going paleo, fuck, I was so dogmatic. I was <laughs> like, no, you can, I think mean, you cannot eat rice. Rice is gonna kill you. White potatoes are gonna kill you. Like, what is wrong with you people? And you know, as time went on and I healed my body and, you know, got it back to a place of um, being healthy again and well and strong, I'm like, no, that's fine. Rice is fine. I'm just going to prepare it really well. And white potatoes, delicious, absolutely delicious. And, you know, all of these different things, I've introduced some gluten-free grains because I feel like I do fine with them. So it's not about the rules say I can do this, this, and this. It's like, how does my body feel with it? And people are like, oh, you know, what about can you have quinoa? And I'm like, how does it make you feel? It makes me feel fucking terrible. Yeah. but if it makes you feel great, then absolutely fill your boots. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, with what we were talking about before, I think I I still follow, I I would say a paleo style template, but I definitely incorporate gluten-free grains if they feel good for me at the time. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But I think it's really about people working out, how does it feel for you? Because I'm not you, we're all so bio-individual. And every single person's body is going to feel good with different things at different times. And people, you know, well, is keto good? Well, maybe for some people, for some reasons, for some periods of time. But should you be keto all the time, forever? Probably not. And if it doesn't feel good, does that mean you should keto harder? Probably not. (laughs) Probably means you might just want to take a step back and go, okay, That doesn't feel good for me. So maybe I should try eating a bit more plant-based and see how that feels. And maybe raw foods in a plant-based diet doesn't feel great for me because my guts are just not coping with that at the moment. Mm. But that's okay. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have more cooked vegetables. Like we should all be eating more vegetables. That's Mm. really, I don't care how healthy you are. We could all eat more vegetables. (laughs) We should all be putting more of that on our plate. Um, and I just think that the bulk of our nutrition should really come from, you know, the fruits and vegetables and good quality fats. Mm. Then add your protein of choice to your plate. But I think, you know, the the place for highly refined carbohydrates is not a full bowl of it. Like that's a condiment to your plate, isn't it? It's not a massive bowl of pasta every single day, because if you're eating a whole bowl of pasta, what you're not eating is a whole bowl of vegetables. Yeah. So. I'm really passionate about not, I don't count calories, I count nutrients. How much nutrition have you got on your plate? The calories, yes, they matter. Mm. But if you've got a plate full of nutrients, they're sort of a byproduct, you mm. know? Like you've got a plate full of beautiful veggies or a beautiful salad with lots of fresh herbs and some fruit in there mm. and some good quality protein and some beautiful olive oil or nuts and seeds. You, you're not going to overeat that. Like you're mm. going to get to a point where you're like, Yeah, I'm done. I'm full. We're good. Whereas a plate of pasta with, you know, cheese, (laughs) you're going to chow that down every day of the week. And then in half an hour's time, you're going to be like ready to fall asleep. And then an hour later, you're going to be hungry again because your blood sugar is just all over the place like a mad woman's shit.
0: Yeah. But packet ravioli with coon (laughs) cheese grated on the top, so good. Man, I used to smash so much of that stuff. I think I'm still shitting it out.
1: Oh, God, (laughs) so bad. Hey.
0: Yeah, it's horrible. Um, So when you're looking at a plate of food, then maybe like a salad. um, In fact, let's actually talk about salad because so often people just think salad is the most boring thing on earth. Like what elements are you putting into a salad? What are you thinking about? How are you creating a beautiful thing? Are there too many ingredients? Not enough. How do you go about it?
1: No such thing as too many ingredients in a salad. <laughs> um, and I think it all depends on what's in season. So at the moment, mm. we've got our veggie patches going crack it. So we've got heaps of spinach and we've got rocket. We've got kale down there. We've got some like red sorrel, heaps of fresh herbs. So I'll just go down and grab all of that stuff and chop it up and put it in a bowl. And that's going to be our base. If I've got some sweet potato, I might roast up some sweet potatoes so we can put some roasted sweet potato in there. I love fruit and salad. So like apple or pear or mango or, you know, whatever's in season. Whack a bit of that in there. Last night we had some um, pistachios. I had some pistachios, so we chucked some pistachios in the salad. We had some leftover sweet mm. potato in the fridge that we chucked in. We had baby tomatoes. We had some snow peas that we whacked in there, cucumber. This is a capsicum. loaded salad. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, And because G, G's funny, she will pretty much eat anything that kid. Like she loves oysters and she loves anything pickled, sauerkraut, She's got a very adventurous palate on her, but she doesn't like stuff mixed together and she doesn't like sauce. So Mm -hmm. like something like a spaghetti bolognese, her worst nightmare. (laughs) But if I gave her like some, you know, like rice noodles with some like olive oil and like seaweed flakes on them with, you know, some mince with chopped up vegetables, totally fine. Don't put that shit together. (laughs) So, when I'm making a salad, she's not into everything being mixed together. So, on her plate, she's just got like all the chopped greens, she's got the carrot, she's got the chopped cucumber, and she will quite happily sit there and eat all of that stuff as long as it's not mixed together. So, I basically just add whatever's in the fridge. Like, if I've got carrots in there, sure, they're going in the salad. If I can be bothered roasting them first, I might roast some carrots and we'll do like a roast carrot and something salad. But I always just try and make sure it's balanced. So, Whatever our plate looks like, I want to make sure that there's a really good balance of protein, fats, and plant, like, you know, and food-based carbohydrate. So I want to make sure that it's really balanced and nourishing because I think sometimes if you're just sitting down to a big plate of lettuce, it's not going to fill anybody up. Like, I mean, no, no matter how much olive oil you put on there, firstly, it's not going to taste good. And firstly, I'm a foodie, so I want it to taste good. So I don't care what it is, but if it doesn't taste good, no, not interested. Um, so I think it's just about creating balance and looking at what's in season and making sure that we're creating flavor as well. I think so many people are like, oh, salad, so boring. But you create so much beautiful flavor in a salad. And I think in summer, the last time, the last thing I feel like doing when it's thirty-five degrees in the shade is sitting down to a big plate of like cooked vegetables or roasted vegetables. I just think, oh, mm-mm, way too hot for that. Um, so something like a beautiful loaded salad that you've got so much nutrition and hydration, like so much hydration coming from all of these beautiful fruits and vegetables that your body is going to hold on to and absorb way better than just chugging a litre of water. Um, so again, that's another you know beautiful piece for some for people who are like, I don't really like drinking water. Okay, well, get on board and start drinking water. I don't care if you really like it. but. Also, lots of fresh fruit and veggies. You're going to get so much beautiful hydration out of them um, yeah. as well.
0: Perfectly structured from nature as well. You know,
1: Absolutely. Whenever you talk
0: about hydration, you've got to remember that hydration is not just liquids. Mm. Hydration is coming from our foods and it can come from our foods and our, the food we eat can also take hydration from our body, right? Like if you eat a bag of corn chips, mm. they're not coming out the other end the same the same structure, right? Well, you'd hope not because that'd be really uncomfortable. So that's actually taken hydration from our body to be able to process that stuff. So um, food's Absolutely. a really important piece around hydration.
1: Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. So, but I just love working with what's in season and what's available. Mm. So we do our shopping at the farmer's market. So, I mean, in the middle of winter, it's not like when you're at Coles and Woolies and you can still get a mango. You can't. There's no mangoes. It's winter. There's pretty much oranges and apples. That's all you got.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Literally, yeah.
1: That, you got citrus. You got citrus and apples. That is the extent of fruit in winter. Um, so, you know, it's just about really working with what's in season because that's going to be the most nutrient-dense um, thing you can be eating at that point in time as well.
0: We talk about eating in season a lot. However, when you actually kind of commit to that, in a sense, uh, which, by the way, if you eat organic, you're forced to. You know, um, you. I don't know. You feel it's like talking to the farmers about where the meats come from. Or we got some cherry tomatoes from Noosa the other day, and they were just like, "Oh my god, though, amazing!" And like talking to the farmer about it, and and you get all their excitement as well. Like their passion comes through, and then you you understand, like, oh, these were picked three kilometers from here yesterday right you know and and so you get this story and i'm sure there's there may not be some science around it but i'm sure that that story and that journey and that deeper understanding actually helps with the overall process as you make and eat that food because there's just this you just understand yeah there's there's the lifestyle and the whole connectivity of it all just is really beautiful and i think it's i think it helps with digestion and the overall experience but um when we eat in season, you'd feel more connected to that overall process too. And yeah, like in the wintertime, it's like, you know, I've got orange juice here because we've been getting like 20 kilos of oranges a week, you know, because they've been really great. Um, But you kind of, um, in a way, forced to become creative then too. And, And to think, well, how can I make perhaps limited ingredients work? Or, you know, how can I make something I don't normally cook with, like radishes in your example or... Maybe you have, there's this new kind of lettuce that the local farmer's grown, which you've never used before. Yeah. It kind of spurs on a bit of creativity in the kitchen too, to to try and make it work. And it just feels like you're more part of the overall seasonality of everything. I really like cooking with the seasons as hard as it may be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But it does, it forces you to kind of get creative, but also that's the most nutrient dense produce that you can be getting, especially Mm -hmm. if you're getting it from the farmer's markets, like... You know, they're like, oh, well, we picked that yesterday. And you're like, that's amazing. Like, that's so fresh. That has not been sitting in cold storage in Coles and Woolworths for the last <laughs> six months. Amazing. Yeah,
0: exactly. You
1: know, we haven't depleted all the nutrients out of that before we're just eating a token bunch of fiber because that's probably all that's left in there.
0: Yeah, the food's actually alive still.
1: Yeah, Mm, yeah, mm, absolutely. mm. So, you know, I think, yeah, it can be a bit more challenging when you don't have access to a particular ingredient because you're following a recipe and it needs fennel and fennel's not in season. Mm. But I think it also teaches you how to improvise, open your fridge, see what's in there Mm. and just create as opposed to having to follow a recipe and make sure you've got one tablespoon of that. Just whack it in, stir it around, see what happens.
0: (laughs) Some people are going to be making some really interesting meals after (laughs) listening
1: to this. Oh, my God. Every time I put a salad on Instagram, it's got fruit in it. People are just like, "Yeah, what do you mean you're putting fruit in a salad? I'm like, what do you mean you're not?
0: (laughs) Man, last night, Kristen made, um, she made a sauce just out of mango because we've been getting these mangoes from from Darwin. Mango, avo, and I think maybe she put just a tiny bit of coriander in there. Mm. And I just drizzled that over. I had some cucumber, um, some lettuce, some tomatoes. I was just like, oh, a mango in oh, it was just amazing. Like, yeah, forget about Yay. putting mangoes in, into salads. And it just it brings this sweetness and this excitement, you know, it was Absolutely. awesome.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, let's be honest, you can pretty much buy organic frozen fruit mm. anywhere these days. So if you do have a massive hankering for mango and it's the middle of winter you can pretty much buy a bag of frozen mango somewhere. Like it's really, we're so lucky these days with what is available to us all the time Mm. Um, that you don't have to be, you know, so restricted. Like you can still make your beautiful mango sauce in the middle of winter, even when you can't get mangoes from Darwin. You just go to the health food store and buy a beautiful bag of organic mangoes and off you go.
0: Yeah, exactly. Or... Use some some pears. Pear and salad is amazing. Yeah,
1: so um, good.
0: You know, you could even um, if you had time, you can like char the pear a little bit, you know, yeah. and then put it in the salad. Just, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> figs! <laughs> figs in salad. Figs, amazing. so good. Uh, or just figs and avo. I always say like sugar and fat, baby. <laughs> like,
1: Absolutely. It's a combination. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely.
0: Um. A lot of what you're talking about is a lot of creativity coming through. But if you're someone that's maybe a bit more structured, they might say, "Yeah, but Sean, like, I, I look in my fridge and it's full of stuff, and I just see green, and I don't really know what to do with it." How how can people get inspired um, to to cook something different or to learn some new recipes? How do, how do you get inspired to continue to create and do what you do? I
1: think I just love cooking and creating. Like the kitchen is my happy place, and I love to just put shit in a bowl and see what comes out. Um, but I do understand that a lot of people aren't like that. They, that that frightens them. The thought of not having a recipe or not having a structure frightens them. And I think if that's going to hinder your ability to create a nourishing meal for yourself, don't stress yourself out. Like stick with what you know. If you know that you love broccoli and you love pumpkin and potato and cauliflower, Awesome. Like, just stick with what you know. And maybe instead of just steaming them, try roasting them. Like roasted cauliflower and roasted broccoli is delicious, but a lot of people have never tried that before. So whack a good lug of olive oil on there, some salt, some herbs if you want to, and roast it up and give that a try and see how that tastes for you, see how that feels for you. But just stick with things that you're really comfortable with. Like If you're not really comfortable in the kitchen, don't go buying random radishes because Mm. they're going to sit there and then they're going to go off and then that food waste hurts my soul. So if you're not going to use it, don't don't buy it or commit to making sure that you do. Commit to trying, you know, before you go to get it, go, okay, this week I'm actually going to try pickled radishes. I'm going to give that a crack. I'm going to get radishes from the market, I'm going to bring them home and I'm going to pickle them. Mm. And Awesome. Great. That's fabulous. I also think as well, if you get to your fridge at the end of the week and, you know, you pull out some carrots and they're doing those ones and you've got some greens that look like they've been in there for, you know, 40 days and 40 nights. I hate food waste. Luckily we have chickens, so they're pretty good at helping with that. Plus we've got a compost bin. But for the most part, if it's not rotten, I will just chop it up and put it into like Ziploc bags in the freezer and chuck it in the freezer because it can always go into a smoothie later Mm. or it could go into some sort of slow-cooked recipe or a soup or something like that that doesn't need it to have its, you know, beautiful, vibrant structure anymore because it's all just going to get cooked down and pureed. And that way you're going to help reduce that food waste as well. Mm. Um, So I think that's always a really easy way. But I think people just need to start experimenting. Like just make the time, allocate the time. I think a lot of people kind of think that they hate cooking. They're like, oh, I just don't like cooking. I find it really stressful. And I find it stressful too if I don't have time. If I'm really pressed for time and I'm trying to get dinner on the table, I've got a million other things to do. Yeah, cooking's stressful for me too, even though I love it. But allocate some time to let yourself just be in the kitchen and create and see what feels good for you. And it doesn't always have to be a recipe. Like, Meat and three veg is a perfectly legitimate dinner. That does not, it doesn't have to be fancy. Like cook yourself a piece of fish and have half an avocado and some sauerkraut and something else on your plate. That's fine. Why, what's wrong with that? Scrambled eggs, totally appropriate. Dinner, breakfast, lunch, whatever. Mm. There's no such thing as breakfast food. There's just food. You can Mm -hmm. eat whatever you want to at any time of day. Kellogg's and Uncle Toby's are the only people who invented breakfast food. If you want to eat leftover Thai curry for breakfast, that's fine. There is no rules around that. And it's like feeding kids, you know, people are like, oh, well, you know, I've got to make, you know, special kids food. No, you don't. You you make the same food that everyone else is having cooked appropriately for the amount of teeth they have in their head. And if they have no teeth, yes, it probably needs to be a bit gnashier. But, you know, if you've got a four-year-old with a head full of teeth, why are they not having the same dinner that you're having? You're creating a rod for your own back. And then people are like, oh, my kid won't eat this. Well, I'm sorry, you're the adult. So if you're going to keep cooking the macaroni and cheese and everyone else is having a proper nutrient-dense meal, what, what do you expect? Of course they're going to choose the highly palatable thing that just lights up that brain centre in their head and jacks them up on carbohydrates. Like it just makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to me that people complain about their kids acting like assholes after they're jacked up on sugar, <laughs> but you fed them the sugar. Like <laughs> yeah. you let them have the cocoa pops for breakfast. I'm not sure what you expected was going to happen after that. Mm.
0: Yeah. Spot on. Um, There's a real freedom in, in what you're talking about right now, which we'll actually, we'll, we'll get to, because you just mentioned something there about kids in general, like how do you go about building in healthy habits with with G and and, and in general, how, how do you talk to people about how they can actually create good, good habits for their kids, set a good example for their kids, um, mm. you know, basically the opposite of what you were just saying, right? Like don't cook them their own thing and then wonder why they don't want to eat anything else, you know, because um, I think that's a really important piece. Uh, when we talk about, you know, I started having healthy habits when I was, 19, you know, 20, all of a sudden, all the stuff my mom used to say to me started making sense. Mm. Um, and I started implementing it. But I think, man, like, what if those healthy habits started when I was 10? Or what if they started when I was five, you know, and I didn't have to go through this big change in my life to, to implement them? They were already part of my life. Yeah. And so, so I, at the moment, I just keep thinking, like, man, I need to be educating children (laughs) that's where the real work is because they're going to be coming up they're going to be in a healthy state of mind and the world needs people that are really healthy and thinking clearly at the moment especially kids so how do you go about kind of with 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 your uh, with G but then um, with others and, and trying to inspire kids to look after themselves
1: I think it's all about education and so you know like the discussion I had with G this morning about why she couldn't have the shit ice block from the tuck shop that's, you know, bright red with numbers and letters in it that have been banned all through Europe. Right. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's about educating. It's not just saying, no, mate, you can't have it because it's shit. Because she's a real integrity kid as well. Like she needs to understand why I can't do something. And so I don't treat her like an idiot. I just say, it, that has got some really nasty ingredients in it and this will do this to your brain. It'll make it really hard to concentrate in the afternoon when you go back into class. And this ingredient in here is probably going to upset your tummy. And this ingredient here, you know, it not going to help your muscles get strong and your bones be strong so that you can run around the playground and have the best time with your friends. Mm. So... I think education is everything and obviously age-appropriate education, but I don't say to her, this is good food and this is bad food. I'm like, this food is really nourishing for us and it makes us strong and it helps our brains to work and it helps our mood to be really balanced. And so I think there's that education piece and helping people, helping kids to understand what food does for them and, you know, how that food is going to nourish their body, how it's going to help them to do awesome cartwheels in the playground after lunch, as opposed to make them feel really tired and lethargic and sluggish or make them feel all hyped up and they don't know why and then they get in trouble in class because they Mm. can't concentrate. So I think the education piece is really what is so important and explaining that to kids in whatever age-appropriate way that that is. For G, when she goes to a kids' party, I'm not the asshole mum who's turning up with kale chips going, Sorry, mate, no cake for you. Here's some kale chips. chips. (laughs) Because that'd just be being a prick. Mm -hmm. So she goes to a kids' party and I just let her fill her boots, mate. You do you. Mm. You know how to make good choices. You're probably not going to because Mm -hmm. you're six. And that's cool. But Nine times out of 10, we will come home and she will either be a raging fucking emotional lunatic because she's coming down off a massive sugar high or she'll feel sick and she'll say, I've got a really bad pain in my tummy, mum. I'll say, that's okay. Why don't we just make, we'll make you some tea or some broth and have a bit of a lie down and I can rub some oils into your tummy if you want to. So I wonder why you feel sick. I think I had too much party food. Yeah, I reckon that might be it. Yep. Well, that's okay because sometimes we all just have too much party food. Sometimes mummy has too much champagne. That's fine too. But we just make sure that the next meal that we have is going to really nourish our body. It's going to make our body feel strong and healthy again. And it's going to make sure that, you know, we don't have runny poos and, you mm we don't have a big pain in our tummy because we can't do a poo, all those sorts of things. So it's not about demonizing food or saying this is bad and that's good and you've got to eat this because the last thing you want to be doing is creating disordered eating Mm. in in kids. But I think empowering them with knowledge and helping them to understand how food makes them feel. And Mm -hmm. when you eat too much party food, You don't feel great, which isn't to say you're not going to go to the next party and do exactly the same thing, but you're going to start to acknowledge when I do this, it makes me feel this. And at some point, that's going to click in and now as a grown-ass adult, I can go to a party and not eat the cake and the whatever because I think, yeah, I know what cake tastes like. I'm cool. It's going to make me feel really shit because I don't do great with gluten or dairy. Or sugar. So I'm cool to pass on the cake, but thanks. And, I mean, it's taken me 40 years to get to that, so hopefully she's a bit more of a quick learner than I am. (laughs) But I think that's really where the power is. It's not in saying that food is good or bad or creating restrictions around what they can and can't eat. I think as a parent, you get to decide what, what goes on your kid's plate. The kid gets to decide if, they eat at all and how much they eat and that's their choice as a kid we always had to finish everything that was on our plate that was just what what the rules were and that's fine but I don't ever make G finish what's on her plate I I choose what goes on her plate and I'm 100% comfortable with if the only thing she eats on her plate is her tomatoes well that's cool she ate some tomatoes and some nights she will finish everything on her plate other times she won't But she chooses if and she chooses how much. I choose what. And I think that's what parents need to to realise is you're in charge of what goes on the plate. So you put on there whatever it is that you are happy with them consuming. Mm. They choose if and how much. And let's be honest, kids aren't in the habit of starving themselves. (laughs) So your 2-year-old is probably going to be pretty pissed the first night you take away the macaroni and cheese and put, like, meat and veggies down on the plate. But you know what? By the second night, they're going to be really hungry and they're going to eat it. And like, don't be a prick. If your kid hates broccoli, but you know they love carrots and tomatoes, that's cool. Just go with carrots and tomatoes. Maybe put the broccoli on the plate, but don't force them to eat it. They might want to try it. They might not. Maybe make broccoli chips. Maybe that might be more exciting for them or more appealing. Or maybe you just grate the broccoli up and hide it in a soup so they don't even know it's there. Like, whatever. But- There's so many easy ways, I think, to increase the nutrition on our kids' plates and help them to understand, hey, do you know that carrots have heaps of beta carotene in them? And do you know that if you cut a carrot this way, it kind of looks like an eye and you know that they're actually really great for supporting our eye health. (laughs) So that's why they say carrots help you see in the dark because the beta carotene in them is actually excellent for our eyes. So Teaching your kids things like that, they're like, oh, that's cool. I want to be able to see in the dark. That's amazing. (laughs) They might eat their carrots. And maybe they don't like carrots raw. Okay. So cook your carrots in a little bit of olive oil and salt or try roasting them with like some honey and sesame seeds. Or, you know, just because they say they don't like carrots a certain way doesn't mean they don't like carrots anyway. And just because, and they're fucking kids, they're fickle. They're fickle little creatures. Just because they don't like it this week doesn't mean they won't like it next week because there's plenty of times where G went through a stage where she would eat like a man-sized piece of salmon every single day as a two-year-old. Just inhale it like it was, I don't even know what. And then all of a sudden, I don't like salmon. I'm like, what do you mean? I just went and bought like a whole salmon, man. You've got a freezer full of salmon because you were sending me broke buying (laughs) salmon every day. I don't like salmon oh, my God, seriously, you know, and then she'll be back on salmon. They're fickle. But I think it's our job to just keep trying different things, keep encouraging them to try different things and offering different things as things come into season. Let's try a new fruit and see how that flies. Mm.
0: You know, I think what you touched on there is kids follow their intuition, right? Yeah, so 100%. they intuitively eat. They're not thinking, oh, I, I should eat the broccoli because of all the sulfurophane in it once it gets cut up or, you know, they're just thinking that's what my body needs right now. I'm going to eat more of that and more of that. And G was like getting something from the salmon that she needed. <laughs> she didn't consciously know. She wasn't thinking about all the omegas and all this. She was just going, yeah, that's what I need right now. Then you yeah. went bulked up and then her <laughs> body was like, no, I'm, I'm done with that. Like I got what I needed from that, you know. Yeah. Um, what I love about what you were saying is is that that real honest conversation as well and i think that doesn't have to just be with children either that can be with just any any person it's mm. like you guys sounds like you have the ability to really talk about anything you know and you touched on talking about runny poos and you know <laughs> we talked about this the other day but to be able to have that conversation with with our children but also with just you know maybe our partner or mm. who people we're intimate with those kind of conversations, whether it's about poo or whether it's about periods, you know, or anything that's health related, we need to be able to facilitate that conversation and and it be part of our day-to-day because these are all our body's signals of what's going on.
1: And normal bodily functions. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. You know, like Kristen and I are always, someone asked us the other day, like, you guys must have some really interesting conversations. Like, what do you guys talk about? And it's like, well, during the daytime, like, you know, I'm, I work from home. She works from home. She has clinic here, and we're oftentimes just kind of walking about, doing our own thing. And and the passing conversation is like, I had the weirdest poo before. Like, it smelled like salami. I haven't eaten salami in like years. <laughs> and like, how is like, oh yeah, I had that. Something happened to me like that the other day, or oh that all those bananas we ate yesterday. Yeah, they finally came out. Oh my god, it was like this. You know, and we ha- wow. these are our conversations, or 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 it'll be around. You know, Kristen's maybe feeling a certain way and I'll be like, what day of your cycle are you on? She's like, oh, I'm on day like 26. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, this kind of makes sense. Or she's like, oh, you know, I'll just look at her and I'll be like, babe, you're looking hot. I reckon you're on day 14. She's like, yeah, I'm actually <laughs> on day 15. You know? um, but these are like our body giving signals. And um, I think it's really cool that you can have that conversation with G and and that's going to help her so much as she grows older, you know? Like,
1: Yeah, hopefully. And I hope she can continue to have those honest conversations and, you know, talk about poo and periods and all those sorts of things mm. that I think, are, again, so it's so weird that they're taboo because they're normal bodily functions and processes that, you know, it might not be dinner conversation. You probably don't want to go out to dinner with all your friends and start talking about your your stools and their yeah. consistency and whether you had some undigested kale in there. Exactly. Or corn because everyone's yes. going to have corn. <laughs> I mean, that's probably, you know, a bit off. But yeah. to... Be not feeling great, or to be feeling constipated, and be able to say and have a conversation. Something, like, I think I'm really constipated. I haven't been to the toilet today. Mm. Because if my partner said that, to me, I'd be like, I've got something for you. Magnesium, <laughs> vitamin C. Here you oh, go. that'll
0: do the job. <laughs> yeah.
1: Here you go, friend. I'll sort you right on out. <laughs> but I mean, otherwise, sit in discomfort for the next few days while you're constipated, if you want.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing, you know, to be able to have that conversation, I think is really, really important as we try and break taboo on some of these things. And yeah, don't go out for dinner and talk about your stools unless you go out for dinner with a bunch of people who just, you know, went through some big health protocol and that's <laughs> what everyone's talking about, you know. Um, no, it's good. So tell me a bit about your kind of day-to-day ritual routines. Like what are you kind of what are you doing in terms of fitness? And I know you're saunering and and like, what are you eating? What are your kind of day-to-day rituals at the moment?
1: So for probably, I reckon maybe almost two years now, I have been doing a bit of intermittent fasting and not, not even intentionally. It just naturally sort of started happening that I just stopped having breakfast. I woke up and I was like, I'm actually not hungry. Why am I sitting down <laughs> and forcing myself to eat a meal when I'm actually not hungry. My body is not hungry right now. Mm. So in the mornings we wake up, we make a coffee, we sit in bed and G usually does some sort of interpretive dance or tells us Uh ridiculous stories or gives us a rundown of her dreams or tells us what sort of picture she's going to draw or anyway. We sit there Mm. and we drink our coffee. Um, After that, hop up, make G brekkie, get her ready for school And then usually I will do some form of exercise. So at the moment, I'm really digging FitStop. So I usually do that about three times a week. I really love their functional classes, which are more of a strength-based class. They're not a high-intensity class. And that's feeling really good for me right now. Uh, I used to be right into high-intensity training and CrossFit and things like that. And they served me until they didn't. And Mm. then it was time to go, yep, yeah, okay, that doesn't actually feel good for me anymore, so try something new. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm exactly really enjoying- like
0: the food. Love it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really enjoying FitStop at the moment. Um, so I'm doing about three sessions of that a week. I've just, I've been doing um, EMS training for about 12 months now.
0: What is EMS training?
1: Oh, it's so cool. It's electromuscular stimulation training. So, okay. um it's awesome. So think kind of like the concept of a TENS machine where it stimulates a muscle.
0: Oh, you're wearing like the vest?
1: The suit, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. What is that you've like? you've got like arm things around and leg things around, a thing that goes around your glute. You're basically getting electrocuted for 20 minutes, but it's amazing. It, it's It's really low impact. So it can be done by like Michaela, who I do my training with, her oldest client is 80 riddled with arthritis Mm. she said it basically takes her 10 minutes to get up and down off the floor but this woman is really invested in making sure that she's maintaining bone density and muscle mass and cardiovascular health as she ages Mm. and she just can't go to a normal gym and do weight bearing activity so this actually allows her to have that muscular stimulation and contraction the bone density um, piece of it. Plus you're getting the cardiovascular health benefit from it, even without actually doing anything intense. So Mm. it can be completely scaled to be suitable for someone who can barely move. Really great for people with injuries and things like that. But I love it because it's 20 minutes Mm. and it's completely non-impact, which is feeling really good for me at the moment. So I just do that once a week, which I really enjoy. So wait, do do
0: you just stand there? And like, or do you actually have to move as well? No, so,
1: I mean, and it depends. It it totally depends on the person. So Mm -hmm. you could legitimately be somebody who is really badly injured and cannot do anything. You could literally lie on the mat with it on and it would just stimulate your muscles to whatever degree felt comfortable for you for -hmm. 20 minutes and you could just go home.
0: You end up sweating?
1: Oh, pouring. Right. So um, because I'm reasonably able-bodied, we will do things like I might do some star jumps for about 30 seconds as a warm-up or jogging on the spot for 30 seconds as a warm-up and then we might do things like she can adjust the machine to increase the stimulation but also increase how difficult it is for you to do a movement. So I might just be standing there doing a really slow squat but because of that stimulation of my muscles, it's it feels like I've got a 100-kilo bar on my shoulders. Oh, okay. So it's, I'm not actually having any weight. So it's not actually changing my posture in any way or not letting me move safely because I'm not actually putting any other weight onto my body, Mm -hmm. but I'm just working with those muscular contractions. But the great thing about it is that it's not just working my legs as I'm squatting. It's stimulating my whole body. So you're getting this whole body workout in 20 minutes. By the end of it, I'm sweating like nothing on earth. Mm. You wake up in the morning just thinking, oh, my God, I feel like I've just done the most hectic workout. But it feels great in a way that your muscles are sore like you've worked out, but there's none of that pressure soreness like how you would feel doing a really heavy squat where you wake up and your knees are a bit sore and your back's Mm. a bit sore. All those structural things are a little bit sore because of the other pressure you've put on your body by whacking a weight on top of you and then trying to move through a movement safely. Yeah, like Um, the
0: compression in the bones and into the ligaments. Yeah,
1: Mm. yeah. So it's completely um, catered for the person who's having the workout at the time, and it's only one or two people per session. So, you know, you're basically getting something that's completely tailored to you. But that's really, really cool. So I'm really enjoying doing that. Yeah, yeah. And then I do yoga usually once a week as well. Um, And then my sauna. Mm. But yeah, I love to to move. Like we walk the dog every day. And I think that movement is such an important part of of life. But that doesn't have to be a CrossFit workout or a really high intensity workout. It just needs to be whatever feels good for you. Mm. And some days a CrossFit workout might feel good for you. Other days you might just want to do some yoga or some stretching or just go for a walk in the sun or, you know, whatever feels good for you in terms of movement. I think movement is so important and so crucial for us as humans, but that doesn't have to be structured movement or exercise. It mm. just, we just are designed to move. So whatever way that feels good.
0: Totally. It's it's movement. It's not fitness. It's mm. movement, right? And that, it might just be a, a morning walk for 45 minutes and that's all you do for a year, mm. right? And then, like you said, it might become something more, something less, something different. Soon you might be in a suit getting electrocuted for 20 <laughs> minutes whilst doing squats, you know? like
1: <laughs> You never know. And that feels good for me this week, but it might not feel good next week. And I think it's exactly the same with food. It's about being intuitive and working out what your body needs at that time. And what working out, for me, I just turned 40 last week. And... I am done with flogging myself at the gym. I want to be able-bodied and fit and functional for the rest of my life. I have no interest in flogging myself. I have no interest in feeling depleted from exercise. I Mm. want exercise to make me feel like I've got more energy, like I feel strong and I feel invigorated and I feel vibrant from it. Not like it has flattened me and now I'm just screwed for the rest of the day or the next day because I'm so wiped from what I did.
0: Spot on, spot on. I love the overarching theme for me from talking to you for the last hour has been this sense of freedom that you have with your wellness in general. And for those that are listening, jump on the YouTube video of this podcast because like you look incredible you know, you, you, you're vibrance you've clearly got energy, you know, and it just – I love the, f- the freedom that's coming through this transmission because we talked about dogma and I've certainly had my own journey with that. Um, but so often I think yeah, we just get too kind of stuck in the, into the granular areas of our health and we, we overcomplicate it, yeah. you know, when it's like just – you got some stuff in the fridge, chuck it in a bowl.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It'll be all right. I think there's a caveat to that though. You know, like I very much think that food freedom and movement freedom is such an important place to get to. But I think for people who are having a health crisis, that's not where you start. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you're somebody whose body is so inflamed and you've got massive digestive issues and you're constipated or you're, you know, you've got really bad irritable bowel or something like that. For you, you're not starting at the place where I am now. Mm. You know, I, I had to start somewhere 15 years ago that was not where I am now. And it looked like removing inflammatory foods. And it looked like something that was probably a fairly structured and more strict, I don't want to say diet, but protocol to help me heal and get to a place where I can get to that. I think a lot of the time people just they want a quick fix. They want, you know, a a magic pill. And for most people, you've just been giving your body a really fucking hard time for the last 30 years. You cannot expect that you're going to, you know, eat kale for a week and all of a sudden you're going to be this glowing pinnacle of health. Like there's healing to do, there's work to do, you've got to do the work, I think, to get your body back to that equilibrium, to get it back to that space of being able to intuitively eat and intuitively move. Because if you're someone who is used to only going to the toilet once a week and you're eating highly processed, highly refined crap all day, your body doesn't know how to intuitively eat. All it knows how to do is intuitively jack itself up on sugar and then get backed up. And you are literally full of full of shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. so, you know, the, you you can't just, you know, <laughs> have all the food freedom when you're at that point, you've, you've really got work to do and you've got to really dial it back and start with real food. But I think it always starts with real food. It always starts with what did nature give us? And the least processing that has gone on with the food to start with, that's always the starting point. And then from there, once your body is in a really great spot, then work out what feels good for you. Does rice feel good for you? Does gluten feel good for you? Does dairy feel good for you? Does meat feel good for you? Does raw food feel good for you? Does only cooked food? At that point, then you can actually start trusting that intuition of your body when it's back to that equilibrium of health. But when your body is completely full of shit because you haven't pooed in a week, I don't think that's the time to start trusting your body. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Totally. It's like Yeah, if you're if you if you stop drinking coffee, the next day you, you're probably going to think your body wants coffee. You know. I really feel like my body wants coffee. It's like, yeah, well, no shit cuz you've been drinking it for 30 years. <laughs> you kind of want it when you stop drinking it.
1: Absolutely. Um, and it's
0: but it it goes for the same thing like if you've been eating a lot of white bread, right? You've got fungus in your stomach that's going to make you crave white bread if you stop eating it.
1: And any sugar, you you know, (laughs) any processed sugar, anyone who's, you know, used to having a highly processed, highly refined, high sugar diet is going to crave sugar. That does not mean that it's a great idea to give your body sugar. It just means that all the bacteria that now lives in your guts because you're full of candida is going, Hey dude, (laughs) sugar, sugar, sugar.
0: Yeah, 100%. (laughs) And look, I'm glad you mentioned too about, um, you know, if you're in a state of crisis, because in those instances, um, I would go as far to say that actually following some dogma can be really helpful, you know, and you probably need to be a bit more strict because you probably weren't strict enough. And that's why you have the health issue that you're dealing with. And you kind of, and then you go through that process and then you can kind of have a bit more freedom around it. Um, like you you are now. But it's all part of the healing journey, isn't it? You know, and we all all come to it at different stages, um, different points with different areas of concerns and things.
1: And it depends on what your goal is. Like what's your goal? Do you want to feel mediocre for the rest of your life? That's cool. Just keep doing what you're doing. That's absolutely fine. But if that's not how you want to feel, then there's something you got to do to change that. You can't just decide, okay, well, I actually want to be an Olympic gold medalist and then do no fucking training. Like if that's what your goal is, then you're going to have to follow a pretty strict training protocol. Mm. You're going to have to really commit to doing the hard work to get to the Olympics. If you want to be a really healthy, vibrant person, you can't just half-ass it and eat kale once and think that that's where you're going to get. Like you've you've got to do the work. You've got to do the fixing of 30 years of eating shit food and drinking too much booze and not doing any exercise and not getting enough sleep and living a life of chronic stress, you can't undo that in a week. It's going to take longer.
0: Yeah. I love it. I love it. The last thing I wanted to ask you, because I feel like you're going to have a good answer to this. (laughs) How would you describe being healthy? Like how do you know when you're like, or how did you know when you've like arrived in a sense of like, holy shit, like I actually feel really good all the time. Is it feeling good or is it being able to do whatever you want to do? Like what actually, how do you define that state of being for yourself?
1: I mean, it's poo, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Yes. I mean, isn't
1: it? Isn't it doing a really good poo every single day? And you're like, yes, yes. <laughs> you know what, though? I actually did have a comprehensive stool analysis done a couple of weeks ago because right. of my iron being really low. And so we we're trying to work out whether it was an absorption issue or what the hell was going on. Mm. Anyway, I got my poo back and gold star poo student. Yes. And I was like, yes. <laughs> That's when I felt like I'm like, Yes. <laughs> I feel like I'm just validated now. Like I feel like that's my qualification in this world is that I've got like gold star poo. My naturopath was like, seriously, you've got you've got the guts that I want. I want those guts. I want all my clients to have guts like yours. I was like, okay, well actually this is excellent, but we still haven't gotten to the problem of my iron. So <laughs> I'm annoyed that there's not something going on there because you know, that was going to be the thing. Right. So Anyway, that wasn't the thing, but I've got gold standard poo, so that's excellent. So maybe I need to start selling it on the black market for um,
0: oh, for poo transplants.
1: For, for poo transplants, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe that's my that's my um retirement plan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you could probably make some good money out of that. It's they're on trend at the moment.
1: <laughs> How funny!
0: That's hilarious. Well done on the gold gold star poo. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Yeah. I'd like to thank my mom and um, my dad.
0: And your gut microbiome.
1: I'd really love to thank my gut microbiome.
0: No, I love that. That's a that's a good a good metric for health success.
1: It is. It is. I think when people are you know constipated or having really loose stools, or our bowel tells us so much about mm. our health doesn't it? Because it's mm. such a, and quite a immediate indicator of what's going on. Mm. Um, you're going to know pretty quickly if there's something not right in your body based on your bowel movements. So I think it is a really great indication of, of where our body is at in terms of health and wellness. Mm. But yeah, I think definitely poo.
0: Love it. <laughs> Love it. On that note, now people are really going to want to get in touch with you and find out more about you. Um,
1: They're probably just going to want my poo.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you can email being like, can I just have a sample, please? That'll be like success. Um, If people want to find out more about you, get in touch with you, where can they find you?
1: Um, so, Instagram and Facebook, it's just at myfoodreligion, and the website is myfoodreligion.com. So, there's heaps of free content on there. I post free recipes all the time. There's some ebooks on there. There's a page if people want to get in touch about running workshops. So, I do um, like small group classes with people at home. If they mm-hmm. want to just have a few friends over and we can do a little cooking workshop um, as well as stuff in corporate businesses and stuff. But even to the point of just going grocery shopping with people and helping them to mm-hmm. choose a healthier option because it's it's about meeting people where they're at. Not everyone's ready to go and stop going to the supermarket and do all their shopping at the organic farmer's market. Some people just want to do better with the situation they're in. And that means helping them to make better choices at Coles and Woolies. And that's awesome because there is better choices to be made. So, you know, I think empowering people to just make those better choices, help them go through their cupboard and go, hey, have you actually looked at the ingredients on this? And they're like, no. Nope. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, there's 47 of them and I don't recognise any. So <laughs> yeah, this is actually not food. This mm-hmm. is a food-like product.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Kind of vaguely looks like food, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah.
1: There's a picture of food on the front of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But that's not actually what's inside.
0: <laughs> I like it even at Woolies when you you, you look at um, the like the nuts section, and it's like a bag of nuts, and it says like almonds, and then there's like four ingredients in there. It's like, what? but isn't this just almonds? It's like, no, it's preservative E two twenty, and it's salt, and it's this. It's just like come vegetable
1: on. oil, always vegetable yeah. oil, always with the vegetable oil.
0: Yeah, exactly. Natural flavors. Uh, Okay.
1: Yeah, Gosh. like what? what is that? What is that? If it's natural, just tell me what it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, you know, we said we'd set an intention beforehand to have some fun. I hope you've had some fun.
1: I this have now. indeed.
0: Yeah, it's been really good. Yeah, hopefully we'll have you on again soon and um, thanks everyone for tuning in. Thank you. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review and subscribe to stay up to date with the latest episodes.